Success, is it really a secret? I don't think so. Join me as I interview guests from different cultures and backgrounds who have overcome incredible challenges to create the life they live today. Thousand likes, celebrity status, lots of money or big cars, these are things that come and go and do not define true success. So what is it? And most importantly, how do we create it? If you are a child, teen, or adult trying to understand how to achieve this word, then you are not alone and you won't want to miss a single episode of The Secret to Success Isn't So Secret. This is Christy Maggio, and the key is right here. It's not a great secret, so don't just listen. Learn and take action. Your story is one of those that so many young people do face in the world. And so, you know, I'm going to turn it over completely to you. And, um, and I'm going to sit back and enjoy what you have to, to teach us as well from your journey. So thank you so much for being here. What's up, everyone? I'm Greg Walker, aka the big dreamer, a 32 year entrepreneur. I'm one of 15 children growing up here in the inner city of Columbus, Ohio. I come from a family of drug abuse, uh, alcoholism, uh, sexual battery, anything you can name, I'm part of that history. Growing up in a family of 15 where no one ever, ever, ever made it beyond the ninth grade, that was my goal, to be the first one to ever graduate high school. And because of a loving teacher, I did. I did. So I became the first person ever to go past the ninth grade graduate high school in 1984. But it, felt, it was a rough start. People told me, they called me a big dreamer. They said, do you think you, Greg, you're going to be the one to make it out? You really, ain't no one ever been past the ninth grade. How are you going to make it out? I was, I was, people used to call me a mute because I didn't speak. I actually didn't speak till probably about age 11 or 12 because of uh, things that my father said to me and my siblings. And so I had a loving teacher named Miss Renee Rivers who used to talk to me in school. She used to tell me that I'm not who my family is. And then when people would call me the big dreamer, she would say, ignore those people because I always did have big dreams. And I want you to have big dreams because without big dreams, what are you gonna have? You're gonna have a small life. So when people told me I'm gonna make it past the ninth grade on my first day of high school, my very first day of high school, my, my boys would pat me on the back Greg, this is you, man. You're going to make it. I, I kind of smiled a little bit. But the first day of high school, the first day I'm sitting there in class, homeroom, and a kid comes in. I remember his name like he just say Bobby. He said, the principal wants to see you. I walked down to the office. I thought my parents didn't sign something. I said, yes, sir. What do you need to see me for? And he says, Greg, do you understand that you are the last of the 15 Walker kids coming into this Columbus public school system. Do you understand you're number 13? There was 12 of you before you that didn't make it out. He said, do you understand that number 13 is a unlucky number? I didn't know that then. He said, so if you think you're gonna be the one who make it out of this high school, you need to read books and study hard because the odds are against you. He said, the odds are against you. But you know what? When the odds are big enough, when your dream's big enough, the odds don't matter. And I wanted to make it. So he threw papers down and I said, what are those papers? And he said, those are the papers that your 12 siblings before you signed to drop out of the ninth grade or we kicked them out. He said, so they'll be ready for you. And he told me, go back to my class. 
I left that day. I'm a big kid. I'm six foot two, 280 pounds now. I'm probably six foot two, 187 pounds. Then I left the principal's office. I'm ready to just punch people. I, I said to myself, this school system isn't for my family. It's not for me. So I left out the, uh, the front door of the high school. I had tears in my eyes. Someone grabbed me from behind. And I turn around, I just want to punch him in the mouth. But there's someone who I love very much, my teacher in the seventh and eighth grade. She looked at me, she said, boy, why are you crying? I asked her, I said, Miss Rivers, why are you, what are you doing here? She says, I'm not only your seventh and eighth grade teacher, Gregory, now I'm going to be your high school teacher. And where are you going, she said. I told her that the principal said, education is not my fa- for my family. Education is not for me. She said, he told you that? I said, yes, ma'am. She led me down. This woman was probably maybe five foot, four foot, eight. She grabbed me like she was Shaquille O'Neal, even though Shaquille O'Neal was not born then. She pulled me down the office, told me to set my big butt down. When she went into that principal's office, she slammed the door. I never realized that a small Christian woman could curse, could cuss, and scream as loud as she did. But she did that for me. She came out of the office, told me to stand up. I stood up. She said, Gregory, you are not your family. You are not your father. You're not your brothers. You're not your mother. You're not your, your sisters. You are whoever you want to become. And she said, if I have to sit there and hold your hand and get you through this high school boy, that's that's what I will do. And we walked for about an hour just talking in the hallways. She spoke life into me, even though I really wasn't listening to her. I didn't believe her, but I did believe her. Three years later, I'm called into, the, into a uh, room in high school. Her and another teacher who I loved, who was very shy, very nice, but I loved her. I always took up for her when kids were acting up. And they told me to shut the door. I shut the door. I didn't know what was going on. They looked at me. They said, Greg, you are not going to graduate. I stood up. I threw a chair against the wall. I said, you lied to me. You lied to me. You told me I was going to graduate. She told me once again, set my big butt down. I said, I don't understand why I'm here, what you ladies are talking about. My other teacher says, Greg, listen, we understand why you're staring out the windows all the time. We understand that you're dreaming to get out of your family life. We know you are not dumb. We know you are not stupid. Even though people called me dumb, they called me stupid. They told me I'd be locked up like my family. I'd be an alcoholic. I'd be a drug addict. I'd be an abuser of women. I never became any of those things. At 55 years old, I've never touched alcohol in my life or drugs, not because I'm any better than anyone else. It's just I chose not to do it because of the addiction in my family. So when they told me what they told me, it just blew my mind. I said, you lied to me, Miss Rivers. She says, Gregory, we understand why you're staring out the windows, and we're going to do something to put our jobs, our lives on the line. I said, what are you going to do? The other teacher said, Greg, we're going to change your grades. You have a 1.9 grade point average. You need a two-point GPA to get out of high school. And they did. They did. In 1984, I graduated the 2.0, the last person in my high school class. But you know what? It doesn't matter where you graduate from. It doesn't matter where you are in life because you know what they call the person who graduates at the top of their class and the person who graduates at the bottom of their class? They call them a graduate. They call them a graduate. So that led on to me. So then I had another mentor in high school who I called a fool and a loser, a guy named Dave Thomas, who started Wendy's, who started Wendy's. And this guy was a guy who started a hamburger chain when there's already other kind of uh, hamburger chains. Everyone told him that he couldn't do it. 
So he became my mentor after I called him a fool and a loser because he said he dropped out of the 10th grade. Well, to me, if anybody drops out of the 10th grade, that's like my family. They're losers. My teacher made me respect him. And he told his story how he worked for a guy who drove a white Cadillac for a white suit. And he tried to sell his chicken recipe all over the world, all over the country. And that man was Harlan Sanders of KFC. He became my mentor with the two other people. And I tell each and every one of those opportunities will come to you. But will you take that opportunity? Because Mr. Thomas said, we are going to teach you kids how to become successful in an inner city school. He said, one Saturday a month, one Saturday a month, someone probably won't be me, but it'd be my staff is going to come to this school and teach you about success. Now, there's 30 kids in that class in ninth grade, right? Or the eighth grade. It came the opportunity to, to all of us, but only three of us took it. I became a restaurateur opened up hundreds of restaurants, other businesses. The other guy, one of my friends, Keith, became a big-time attorney. The other girl, Lakeisha, right, had a couple kids in high school, ran track with me. She owned six dental practices. So the opportunity is going to come to you. But will you take that opportunity when it comes? So when I became the first person to graduate high school, when I talked to Mr. Thomas, then I ran into a guy. I went to school one year, one year in college at the University of Florida. I saw this thing. It was one of the, it was a, a sub shop. I used to go into, I hated college. I did school. College wasn't for me because I believe that self-education, you can get the same thing at a Barnes and Noble or a library that you can at Harvard. Now you might not be able to become a doctor that way, but you can get all the education you want for free. And now we know this because of YouTube, we know Google. So you really don't need a college degree unless you're going to be a teacher, a doctor, an engineer, something like that. If you want to become an entrepreneur, you don't need college. You don't. To me, college is a waste. A lot of people are wasting money if you want to be an entrepreneur. You, how do you learn to swim? The best way to learn how to swim is jump in the water. Either you'll drown or you'll swim. You'll get experience either way. So when I got into I found this thing called Subway. I didn't know what a franchise was. Didn't know what a franchisor was. Talked to the local owner when I was in college because I hated going to college. So I'd go in there and just kind of fiddle around and see what he's doing. Came back to Columbus, Ohio, worked for a guy, worked for him for eight months. Him and his wife fired me because, they, once again, they saw something in me I did not see for myself. And they fired me because they needed me to take the next step. And that next step was to become an owner. So they sold me their store, which was one of the worst stores in Ohio. I took that store. See, I don't believe success has keys. I believe it has a combination. And my combination goes like this. If there's anything in life that you want, practically anything, all you got to do is dream, grind, and hustle. Because I truly believe each and every one of us are too big to dream small. So I became the second largest owner in Ohio. I went on open with a business partner, 270 taco franchises, ice cream stores. And then at age 48, after they told me I couldn't be a business person, they told me I couldn't make it up my family. At, eight, four, at age 48, I joined this thing called Toastmasters. Toastmasters is a, is a worldwide organization teaches competent communication leadership i went there because a man named les brown told me i should go there because i was quiet you know les brown his his oldest kids grew up here they were born and grew up here in columbus ohio so les brown is my big brother and i trust anything he says so at age 48 i joined toastmasters toastmasters after five months i was in las vegas competed for the first world championship public speaking they told me i had a gift i didn't believe them 2016 i was getting paid me, people paying me, Fortune 100, 500 companies. 
professional athletes. Are you kidding me? Me. When everyone told me I could not do that. They told me I could not make it out of high school. They told me I couldn't open restaurants. They told me I couldn't speak. I went to the world championship twice, two out of three years. And I dropped out of six out of uh, 16. So I went two out of two years that I was in Toastmasters. See, it doesn't matter what people tell you that you can't do. What matters is what you are telling yours. I don't care what your daddy did to you, what your mama didn't do. I don't care what your next door neighbor did. What are you going to do? And the one tool you need, the one piece of education that you need is this and this. If you can have a mindset, if you can have the heart, if you can have grit, if you can have stamina, if you can have persistence, if you can be persistent every single day, if you can be committed. See, most people are only interested. I tell people successful people, successful people take action. Unsuccessful people are always interested. I know you guys probably, you guys and girls have probably heard people say, man, I got this great idea. Big dreamer, I got this great idea. Everyone has ideas, but who's going to commit? Who's going to execute on those ideas? And that's what I have. I have the dream. I had the grind. I had the hustle. I knew I could do anything. At age 58, Les Brown told me to write a book. I don't write books. I don't even read books. I maybe read Dr. Seuss book a couple of times, the Bible a little bit, right? I don't read books. But now my books, my book, Dream to Grow Rich, How to Dream, Grind, and Hustle Your Way to Success is in every bookstore in the world. I did 35 book signings through Barnes & Noble and Indigo Books in Canada. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant's coach, wrote about me on the back. Forbes magazine wrote about Les Brown wrote my forward, and people still doubted me. They still said I couldn't write a book. Now I'm writing my second, third, and fourth book. So I want you to know, each and every one of you, you have so much power within you. You are capable of doing things that you never, ever thought you could do. I can believe in you, but you have to believe in yourself. You got to have that fight in you. You have to say, I'm going to create this dream. I'm going to get this dream, even if it rains on my parade. And then I want to ask you, what do you want? How bad do you want it? What are you willing to sacrifice? I talk about my best-selling book when I first went to my first restaurant. I slept in it for three years, three years. And I left an hour a day to come home, see my wife, take a shower, and see my baby girl. See, most people said they want it. How bad do you want it? Are you willing to sleep on your, on your restaurant floor for three years only leave an hour? When I went to my second world championship public speaking, in Vancouver, Canada, 2017. I'm a lifelong diabetic. If you could see my foot now, I have 10 pounds of steel, three big rings around my leg, and there's 16 pins, rods, that go into my bones that are pushing my bones together. I haven't walked since 2017. You know why? Because when I was going to the second world championship public speaking, I was going to be myself. I wasn't wearing a suit. I was wearing my ball cap that said TBD, the big dreamer, my Nike shoes, black and red that match, but I'm a type one diabetic, type one diabetic. I got a sore on my foot. My doctor told me I couldn't go. I ignored him because I found my, I found my purpose, not my passion. See, I don't believe in following your passion because if I follow my passion, which is bowling, I would be broke. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? I would be broke. If I followed my passion, I followed my purpose. And when I found out I could speak, when I communicate, when I could impact, inspire, and motivate people, nothing would stop me. So as a type one diabetic with a sore on my foot, 
that's not good. My doctor told me I, I, I couldn't go. I said, you're kidding me. I didn't ask my wife to marry me 35 years ago. I gave her sister the ring. I'm going. So I went. I wanted it that bad. So I'm asking you, how bad do you want it? I sacrificed my leg. 18 surgeries. I slept in what I call a pickle jar, a hyperbaric chamber. I laid in there for two hours a day. They close it like a submarine. You have to lay in there for two hours. I did that daily for six months because I wanted it. I wanted it. Now I sat here with 16 pins in my, in my bones, big rings. I look like Iron Man. I did that. You know why? Because at the end of our life, don't you listen to me closely. At the end of our life, each and every one of us will say two things. We will say, I wish or I did. I would never say I wish. I will always say I did it. I did it, baby. I might have one less leg, maybe two less legs. I might be legless sitting next to my boy, my girl, right? And they're sitting there saying, I wish I would have done this big dream. Or I wish I would have done that. I'll look at my, my no legs. And I'll say, I did it, baby. I did it. We only have one life. We only have one life. And I want each of you to understand this. There are no do-overs in life. No one's going to give you anything. No one's coming to your rescue. You either have to wait for your ship to come in, which it's not. Or you got to say, I'm willing to risk it all. I'm going to swim out there. Even if you can't swim, you better say, I'm going to swim out there to that ship. Because I want it. I want it so bad that I'll make that sacrifice. Because you will make sacrifices. It doesn't have to be a limb. It doesn't have to be anything harsh. But you're going to sacrifice ball games, birthday parties. But in the end, in the end, people's going to say, how'd you do it, big dreamer? How'd you do it, Greg? And you're going to say, remember all those basketball games I could not go to? Remember all those, those football games at a house that I couldn't go with you? That's because I was grinding. I was hustling. I knew what I wanted. I knew how bad I wanted. And I knew there had to be sacrifices. I want each and every one of you to know how smart you are, how beautiful you are, that there's no one who can stop you. Every day you wake up, you need to look in that mirror and you just say, this is me. My nose may be too big. My belly may be out too far than my chest used to be. Y'all know what I'm saying? You have to look at that mirror and say, there's nothing that can stop me. I am unstoppable. There's nothing that's going to keep me from living my dream. There's nothing that's going to stop me from getting my goals. You have to want it. You have to will it. And I tell people, you don't have to be smart, but you do have to have that will to win. That will to win like Michael Jordan when he's got, when he's got a flu. When he's got the flu and his temperature is over 100, 203, and he went out and played that championship game and he won, that's it, the will to win. It's not about the smartest people in the world. It's about who's, who's willing to get in there and just be that dog, that junkyard dog, that person that says nothing's going to keep me from living my dream. That's what you have to be. When people come up to you, people, young people all the time tell me, hey, big dreamer, I got haters. I got haters. You know what I do? I clap. I clap. Yes, you have haters because you're doing something. And when you have haters come up against you, Look at the bottom of your shoe. When you're walking through a park and you step on dog doo-doo, right? Where's that dog poop at? On the bottom of your shoe. So if you got haters, just always look. Listen, I used to take people's names and write them on the bottom of my shoes. I used to write people who said I was never going to be anything, and I'd write their names underneath my shoes. And every time I'd feel bad, I'd look at the bottom of my shoe and say, look at you. Look where you're at. 
my niece one time told me, said, uncle, these girls are trying to pull me down. What do I do? I said, you just look down on them and smile. She said, what are you talking about? I said, Casey, Savannah, think about it. They're pulling you down. The only way someone can pull your eye down is if they're below us. You hear what I'm saying? They're below us. They're pulling us down. You don't have to get mad. All you got to do is look down and just smile and say, I see you. How's the weather down there? That's what you have to do. It's good to have haters. It means you're accomplishing something. Listen, the dude who's sitting on the couch, he ain't got haters. The girls who's just sitting at home watching Atlanta Housewives, she ain't got haters because they ain't doing anything. Nothing. People used to laugh at me. People used to call me a gene ass, and now they call me a genius. And I am, I am ne neither of those things. I'm just a dude who had big dreams. I'm just a dude who's just wanting something for my family. I'm just a guy who loves people and loves elevating everyone I see around me because that's my purpose. My purpose is not for me to have things. My purpose is to help other people get what they want. That's what we're here for. We're not here to be blessed. We're here to be a blessing, a blessing to other people. You know, we all were given life. So the, the, the first thing in the world is life, is to give. You will never open a dictionary, nowhere, and find receiving come before giving. So you have to give. Give your time, give your talents, give your skills, give your money, whatever it may be, you have to give. You'll become a more fulfilled person. You don't want just money. You don't want just things. Because we know people like Robin Williams, right, who put a rope around mm -hmm. his, his neck. Elvis Presley, who killed himself with drugs. Athletes, rich people, lottery winners. They have everything that most people think they want, fame and money. But what do they do? They abuse cocaine, alcohol, sex, whatever it is, overeating. You have to find out what lifts you up. My wife can always tell when I come back from a meeting because I'm always pumped up. I've taught someone something. I've learned something. I use some tidbits and some wisdom that I had. I gained some things from people older than me. That's what life is about. You want to be a fulfilled person. And you can be a fulfilled person without making a gazillion dollars. It's not about the house I live in. It's not about the zeros that's in my bank account or, or who I know. It's about leveling up other people. It's helping other people upbrand their brand. It's about helping people with my experience, with, with my wisdom that I have at 55. That's my purpose-driven life. That's why I'm on here with you. I don't have to be on here. I could be enjoying my, myself down in my home theater room in my real movie theater room. But I know I have to be here. I don't want to, but I have to because people were there for me. My teacher, Dave Thomas, Les Brown, my girlfriend for life who was in a, a room far away. I have to be here because I'm here to help you elevate to your best life, not other people's life. See, so many people want to be better than Michael Jordan. Why do you want to be better than Michael Jordan? You want to be better than yourself. I don't want to be Les Brown. I don't want to be. I don't want to be Michael Jordan. I want to be Greg Walker, the Big Dreamer. And I strive every single day to be that human being. I do that in business. I do that in speaking. I do that in my coaching. I do that in my book writing. Every day, I said, "What can I learn today? How can I be better?" You know, for instance, when I get these rods tightened in my leg, you can get them tightened as tight as you want. They're kind of like braces when you have braces and they tighten them. If anybody's ever had braces. Well, these rods, when they tighten them a little bit, 
they always ask people, can I go further? Is that too much pain? But what do most people do when I see them in the office? They say, stop, 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 stop. And they have to wear this thing for like a year. When my doctor turns mine, he knows what I'm about to say. Does it hurt? Great. Yes, it hurts. Let's keep going. There's a little bit more. Yes, let's go. I'm gritting my teeth. I'm looking up at my hat. I'm just like, let's go, doc. Because the further he can tighten those things, the less time. So when there's people in my doctor's office that's wearing their big, giant external fixator for a year, I'm going on nine weeks. A year or nine weeks because I can take the pain. Take the pain. Take the pain. You already gone through pain. You might as well get a reward for it. When I know I could cut my time down by three quarters just by taking a little bit more pain. A woman has a baby. There's so much pain. But afterwards, she sees that little baby and says, it was worth it. Embrace the struggle. Embrace that pain. Embrace that pressure. I embrace it every Monday morning when they turn. I'm in pain all day. I'm, I'm at home. I can't take medication. So I just bite it. I say, let's go. I don't want to do this for a year. Nine weeks. We all know that a diamond cannot be that beautiful diamond that most people in this earth want without a thousand years of pressure. You are that pressure. That you are the diamond inside that coal. You got to deal with that pressure. You got to say, I want that pressure. I want to squeeze it from all sides of my life. And one day you understand that you become that beautiful diamond that everyone wants in their life. I want people to understand that that's what you need is just that dream grind hustle, that hunger, that grit yeah. to just go after whatever you want in life. And that's uh, that's my thing. Yeah. And I mean, and that's one of the things that, I mean, I love Les Brown. Everybody loves Les Brown as well. And, you know, it's like, are you hungry? You know, you got to be hungry. hungry. You got to be hungry. Right. You know, you know how I, he does it best. I, but yeah, he's just. I tell, people, I tell people you got to be thirsty. Thirsty. You got to be thirsty you, uh, and hungry. <laughs> yeah, when, because here's the thing. When you watch marathon runners running, they are so thirsty for that water when they're running. They grab that little cup. And they're like drinking. They're drinking so bad it's coming all down their face, whatever. They want that success that much. Mm -hmm. They want it that much. I don't know what my last day is. So my, every day I wake up, I ask my God to give me at least 10 people. ten At least 10 people. More is better. That I can make smile. That I can put a piece of uh, mustard seed and, and, and inspiration, impact, and help them live their life. That's why when, when I, someone called me, I'll say, how you doing, Greg? This is such something I say. Like I told you, I'm blessed to see your smiley face, your beautiful face. I'm blessed to hear your voice. I've never had anyone not smile on the phone or on video mm -hmm. because everyone, we all want to be validated. We all want to feel special. And every day I wake up, that's my goal is to make someone smile because you never know whose life you change just by a simple smile. I just posted yesterday on Facebook. You are one. Hi, how are you today? You're one handshake. You're one, wow, I love your eyebrows. You are one something away from completely changing your life. Mm -hmm. And that's my goal. That's it. I can't, I can't agree with you more because, you know, a lot of times people think that a good deed is, you know, giving money or, or, or actually physically doing something or, you know, something that's really consuming of time and people are busy. And I, you know what? A good deed can just be saying hello, asking someone how they are, giving them that smile, 
telling them that they have a beautiful voice. It doesn't take a lot to do a good deed, right? Nope. Those moments. Christy, you know, the, those two boys and other people that shot up schools. You know, Les Brown and I were in New York City. This lady came up and she says, Les, do you ever imagine what could have happened if you or Greg got to speak to one of those kids at a 7-Eleven mm -hmm. at a restaurant and you just started talking to them? And this is what she said. She told Les Brown, she says, I don't believe the world is the way it is because too much violence. Mm -hmm. I believe the world is the way it is because there's too much silence. Yeah. Imagine if we would have saw those boys. Imagine if you would have saw it and you just, you just spoke to them. Mm -hmm. Maybe no one smiled at them. Maybe yep. no one's no, maybe no one said anything positive to them. Maybe we would, maybe not. Maybe we wouldn't have changed your life. But I, I like to think that there's good, more good people than bad. Absolutely. Maybe they might have looked at each other and said, "Wow, that big dude with the ball cap, that girl with the red, the red outfit on, wow, they're pretty cool people." Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's not do this. I always believe. Yeah, some people call me a Pollyanna. I am, because when you live my life, there's no other way but to be a Pollyanna. Absolutely. No other way. So I appreciate you, Rockstar. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank because you. Because we need more people like you to help use their talents and their gifts to make this world a better place. Now, Horace Mann said, we should all be ashamed to leave this world without making a major contribution. Mm -hmm. You're doing a great job. Thank you. And we're all doing it together, right? Like that's right. We're all, we're all in it together. And so that's the thing. Someone said, oh, I'm so, you know, you should be so proud of you're getting your mission out there. But it's not just mine. It's, it, you know, kids is uh, mostly everybody's mission, you know, no matter what it is. And we can't do one thing by ourselves. We can do it all together. And so I appreciate you and thank you for being here today so very, very much.